So ready, go. I think God likes informal prayer sometimes. I know I do. Um, so we are um, talking about walking in the spirit. Uh, this is week two, and so this is entitled, And Adam Became dot, 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 which um, is going to, I think, I like it. So in this class, what we're doing just, was everybody here last week? If so I can, no, okay. Oh, good, okay. So you two come up to the front. We have to embarrass every, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so in this class, we're, we're putting together the puzzle pieces about what is this, Holy Spirit walking in the Holy Spirit kind of mean? What, what is that? Um, we're going to describe, uh, so I'm kind of geeky, so we're going to do some geeky framework building, which I hope you'll find helpful. For me, when all that stuff dawned on me, I was like, oh, that explains everything. Well, not everything. I still don't understand women, but it explains a lot of things. Um, <clears throat> and um, so we're going to learn about that framework in a way I think, I hope will be really helpful. Um, and then we're gonna practice it. We're gonna actually do it. We're not just gonna listen, but not in a way that embarrasses any of you. <clears throat> but in a way where we, it's kind of like you buy a new lawnmower and you can read the manual, but if you never go mow the lawn, it's like, you know, you, you just don't. And so we're gonna try some of this on in ways that you can take home with you and, and you can try it. Um, last time we talked about um, this idea that, and I'll, I'll say it the way I said it then, um, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and we're gonna talk what those are, and I live in, in a body, I live in a mobile home, okay? And I'll have a different body later, but right now I'm in this trashy sort of, <laughs> fearfully and wonderfully made, sorry. Um, and so, um, so I'm in this mobile home. And so Paul says that here, and he says, look, I want God to sanctify you. That is to set you wholly apart. So your, your spirit and your soul and your body, I want those set apart unto me, set apart for, for goodness, set apart for health, set apart for purpose, the purposes of God, all of these things set apart, um, so that you'll be preserved entire without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we talked about... Um, I asked you the question last time. I said, what does the word spiritual mean to you? And, and we all gave pretty good church answers. I think maybe I was leading you on a little bit. Some of you I know have different answers than that. But, and, it, and it was like, well, they know the Bible, or well, they go to church on Sunday, Wednesday, and sometimes even like Thursday. And, and so they're spiritual, which means they're churched, you know, they're Christian. But when we look at scripture, that is not at all what the word spiritual means. And so I showed you here in Paul, and, and so he's like, I can't talk to you as spiritual, but as to men of the flesh. And then he talks about your arguing, your, your really sort of animal nature driven. So I can't, I can't talk to you like spiritual men. I have to talk to you as men who are motivated in different ways. And then, and so, so we go, yo, well, I'm not, I'm not animalistic. I'm not driven by the drives of my body and the passions of my flesh. That's not me. I'm erudite. I'm smart. I'm, I'm intellectual. I, I know Hebrew. I can exegete, I can exegete, you know? And so then Paul says, yeah, right. And so he basically says, look, 
we've received the Spirit, blah, blah, blah. And he says, but the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit. And so that word natural, and so each of these words have a particular meaning. And those meanings describe a place, not a belief system. They describe a physical, spiritual, soul place within my makeup. So when we say they're physical, we don't mean that they study gym stuff and they study workout and they study new. We mean they're a physical specimen. Boy, he's physical. You know, football player, he's got a lot of physicality. What we mean is we're talking about a place. We're talking about the physical body. And when we say they're really smart, they're really intellectual, they, they you know, they're really quick on their feet thinkers or, or they're, they're really emotional. We're talking about a place within our physical makeup. We're not talking about beliefs. And so when we talk about spiritual, we're not talking about beliefs and behavior. We're talking about a place within us that is called the spirit. Okay. So when we say I'm spiritual, what we mean is your motivation comes from your spirit. Or that was a spiritual way of interacting with that person, we don't mean that you're holy and saying amen and speaking in deep voice in King James English. We're meaning that, that you were motivated, you were, you're coming out of the Spirit. So Jesus said in John, he said, I do nothing out of myself. And it's a weird Greek word that means, that means motivated from a place to a place. And he said, I do nothing out from myself but only that which I see and hear the Father doing, presently, in present tense. Not, he says in another place, have seen, but he also see, currently. And so, so we go, okay, so that's spiritual. He's connected with God, and he's operating out of that place, not out of his physical passions, not out of intellectual, intellectually-derived truth, but he's operating out of an initiation and a motivation from God. Okay, and so that's a, that's a different way to live. And you can see the three words that he uses there. So sarkikos, sarcophagus, the body. Psychikos, because the natural man, but it means psychologically driven, um, intellectually driven, and then pneumaticos, pneuma, uh, wind driven might be a... Um, and so I want to... I wanna, ask the question today, how did we get where we are now? What, what happened to the human race? And so I want to take us back historically. So here we have, and anytime you want, you can blurt out a comment, a question, or go, what? Okay, so, so there, there's no, you're not gonna throw me off, so, so feel free. Okay, so here we go. Uh, it says, God formed man from the dust. So there's, what, body. It says, he breathed into him spirit. Okay, he breathed uh, into him, into his nostrils. So God goes, the first CPR, whatever, you know, he gets, and he breathes into him spirit. It's going to be important later. He breathes into him spirit. And then it says, Adam then became a living nepish, a living being. And so if you think about Adam innocence, you have God. God creates this extraordinarily handsome uh, physical body. 
is still dead. He breathes pneuma, he breathes spirit into him, his own spirit, not just an animal spirit, but he breathes spirit into him. And Adam then becomes a living being. And so if you look at, at what God created, he takes a chunk of flesh, he takes his spirit, he blows it into it, and the marriage of the two, the joining of the two, becomes this place called the soul. So Adam becomes a living being. So Adam has a spirit side, and they're naked. They don't know they're naked. They don't know good or evil. They're just, they walk with God. We don't know if they walk with God as a spirit. We don't know if we walk with God um, at, in their soul. We don't know if God appears physically. Just as they walk with God, they're naked and unashamed. They don't know good or evil. They're totally dependent on God to interpret everything for them. Totally dependent on God to interpret everything for them. So that's, so that's the way that we were created. God is there. And so, so then in comes, in comes Satan. So Satan is in the garden and there's a tree in the garden. Well, there were two tree, many trees, but there were two specific trees in the garden. And so Satan is there and Satan then is present, the serpent of old is called. And so Satan is saying things potentially to this Adam and Eve. Okay, hey, come on in. So Satan is saying things to Adam and Eve in the garden. And we don't know if Adam walked like this. That is, the soul part was prominent, the mind, will, and emotions. We'll come back to that. We don't know if he walked like that or if he walked like this, where the spirit part was predominant. Okay, it's not clear in Scripture. Honestly, I've spent like forever reading, and it's just not clear. So, so he either was prominent soul or prominent spirit. But the point is, is that his spirit and his soul and his body were all innocent. They were all together. They connected with God on a daily basis. And so this three part of Adam, the tripartite trinity nature of us, looked like that. So that's Adam. He's innocent, doesn't know sin. And by no, I, I mean he, he has no idea what is sin. He maybe did things that today might be called sinful, but there was no sense of good or evil, no sense of right or wrong. There was no sense of that. God interpreted not right or wrong for them, but ra and tov, life and death. Things weren't right or wrong. They were life-giving or death-giving. And God interpreted that for them, okay? The concept of right and wrong is a bad concept. It's bad for people today. We need to have a concept of what gives life and what brings death. It's not synonymous with right and wrong. Okay, so, uh, so then um, God says, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you, yam, day, so yam can mean the period, the epoch, or the 24-hour day, day you eat of it, you will surely die. So now Eve is in the garden, and she is, uh, the serpent says, hath God really said, blah, blah, blah. And now I want you to look at something. Look what she says and compare it to what God said. Point up some differences and what those differences mean about Eve. 
from the fruit of the trees of the garden, God said we may eat. What did God actually say? From the fruit of the trees of the garden, you may eat freely. So what did she do right there? Took away the freely. So if somebody says, here's the smorgasbord, help yourself. Eat all you want. Take some home. That's very different than get dinner, right? And so Eve took the eat all you want and made it into a get dinner, right? So she limited the, the generosity and kindness of God. It's almost that the condition of the, the uh, conjunction that she uses, but yeah. has, has caused her that. Like, we can't eat something eat, but we can't have this one. Yeah. Right. See, so you see what's going on inside of her mind. Okay. So let's keep going. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of a garden. Okay. How did God describe the tree? He described it specifically. This is the specific thing that that tree will do. And she just calls it the tree in the middle. In other words, she's become relatively opaque to the sin and destruction and the consequences. It's just a tree in the middle of the garden. It's just sex. Well, it's just a TV show. Well, it's just, you know, my friends like to get high. It's just, okay, so we become opaque. Okay, so she is, she is, a, she is pre-typing everything that's wrong with men right here, okay? Uh, but from the tree to the moon, you shall not eat from it or touch it. All of a sudden, we made God legalistic, right? All of a sudden, what he's asking us to do is nonsensical, legalistic, weird, bad, or touch it. What kind of a jerk? You know, so you can see, and so, so we can see we make God that way, right? Well, you're, I mean, you're going to go to hell. I mean, and so we make God into these rules, do's, and don'ts. And so a number of us in this room are in this prayer ministry, and one of the main things we hear from church people is, I walked away from God because he was a harsh taskmaster. You just go, really? Or touch it? Was that in your life? The or touch it part? Where did that come from? Do you think that maybe people, show, people know that they're going to be tempted to eat that, so they come up with their own rules to keep them away from it? Maybe so. And now she's told her rule that keeps her from eating yeah. is not to touch. Yeah. So we, we, we've painted ourselves into a tighter box than we're even in. Possibly so. Yeah, and we pace, or you will die. Right? Don't touch it or you'll die. I wonder if that was part of Adam's responsibility. Well, may, yeah. See, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, where's the guy? You know, is he like, ah, let him talk. Yeah, I, is he the one that said don't even touch it in the first place? Yeah. We don't, see, we don't know the answer to that, but we feel, if you let yourself feel what that feels like, it feels icky. Right? It feels, you go, that just, that just feels like a God in a box. That feels like... It feels like a caricature of God, of what God really said. Where is this he walks with me every day he's given me? Where, where, is, you know, where is the whole thing where she could have just said to him, shut up, God's like my best friend. We walk every day. He's given me everything, this one little tree. I mean, really? I mean, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do I really? I mean, shut up. You know, I mean, she could have just said that, but, but she's, she's leaning in. She's looking, or you will die. God says, you'll surely die. She says, you'll die. 
So somewhere the Shirley is gone and the, well, you know, might not be so bad. And what does that really mean anyway? Die, really? If I eat that, really? Okay, and so she is, you can see all of the ways she has moved the truth around to make room for the lie that Satan says. And so Satan says, you will not die. God knows, blah, blah. You'll be like him, knowing good and evil, which was the absolute truth. You'll be like him in this one small way. You'll know good and evil, and it's going to torment you. Oh, I forgot to say that part, right? And so here we go. And so look at, what she, look at the three things that she looks at. It was good for food, delight to the eyes, desirable to make one wise. Here's what John says about that. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, good for food, the lust of the eyes, delight to the eyes, desirable to make me wise like God, the boastful pride of life. Okay, so this is both symbolic and real. She was hit with the three biggies that men are hit with. If you look at the temptation of Jesus, it's the exact same three things. Okay, exact same three. So here, so here she is, she eats, and immediately something happens. So let's go back to, to innocent person here. So immediately, she eats and they go, wow! And all of a sudden, everything is different. Okay, but they were still alive. They didn't die, or did they? Okay, so immediately what happens is that spirit man shrinks down to a pilot light within her, sufficient only to keep her alive. If the spirit's withdrawn, you die. Sufficient to keep you alive. But it's not dominant anymore. It's not, it's not connected to God. It's, it, it's just like a pilot light. I mean, when you read all through the, the Old Testament, think in terms of the spirit, you go, yeah, it's a pilot light. It, it, even the sense of conscience it starts to be just a little echoey voice. Don't do it. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. Just, it just kind of goes away. Second thing that happens is that this thing called, now he's a handsome boy, this thing called the body of sin in the book of Romans, the flesh, the flesh man, the evil side of me, the evil nature, the fallen nature, it's got a bunch of names, but that becomes, I mean, it doesn't bam and I'm evil, but you start to accumulate evil into yourself through your thoughts, through your understandings, and it becomes what's called the body of sin or the fallen nature or the flesh, okay? The flesh isn't the body, it's the interaction of the body and the soul for the purposes of wickedness and perversity and fallenness, okay? So there's no spirit now, there, there's, there's nothing over here calling out with leverage. All they've got left now is my body and my soul. That's all I got, I don't really have a spirit over here anymore. There's nothing on the inside that's really keeping me from evil, and my body is screaming out to do evil things. And I start to, and so, so man starts to be fallen. God, now when you see him, there's always angels with him. He's not, he doesn't walk with them every, he's, he's gone. Okay, he's still there, but when you see him from then on in the Old Testament, he has bodyguards, okay? So he's not, he's not the friend who walks every day, he's not the, he's, He's kind of not there. The other thing we see is that Satan becomes huge. And beyond Satan becoming huge, 
men's bodies start to become the habitation of the demonic. Okay, we can talk about that forever, but just, uh, just understand that demons are either uh, pre-Adamic spirits or fallen angels. They love to have a habitation through which they can work out their uh, evil desires and intents and lusts and whatever. Remember um, that when Jesus cast out the legion, they said, look, let us at least go into the pigs right? because they're desperate for a body. Without a body, they don't have the same ability to act out what they want. And a human body and torturing it, tormenting it, is, which is made in the image of God, is pièce de résistance for demons. It's like if I can inhabit a human body and begin to exert influence over that body, right? through temptation, manipulation, deception, if I can begin to exert that influence. And so this is, this is us, this is Adam, this is the fallen Adam. Satan's dominant in the world, the God of this world, there's only two gods, you serve one. The God of this world is predominant, this body of sin is thriving, and within just a few generations, they're so bad, God sends a flood. Just, just evil spreads, Cain kills Abel, you know, the next story is murder, and, and on we go. So men know that there's evil, and now they're in that struggle. Well, I, gosh, you know, murder's bad. We shouldn't, we shouldn't murder. But I have no, there's no leverage within me to counteract now this fallen nature. The fallen nature just kind of holds sway. And so this is what, this is the Old Testament person. This is the world Jesus is born into. This is what people are when they're not born again. This is, this is what it looks like. You can create a society in, you could create a Christian society with Christian rules and Christian laws and Christian, 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 but within it you have people who are driven like this, okay? And, and if you're raised in a really great family with really good people who are all about social justice and blah, blah, you learn the ways of, of acting good and of social justice, but you still have this. Okay? You learn to try to counteract it. You learn, you, you may hate it, you, you may know it's opposed to that, but you really have no leverage. Okay? You just, does that seem kind of clear to us? Okay, so, so this is the non-born-again world. Okay, that's it. Okay, so Jesus says to his disciples, he says, look, this is the answer to your problem. Now, just read this, John 3, 5 through 8. Unless one is born of water, which is physical birth, and the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't do it. You cannot do it if you're not born physically, in other words, if you don't exist, and you're not born of the Spirit. You cannot do it, okay? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear, you don't know where it's coming from. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Girls, you want to be mysterious? This is, you know, be born of the Spirit. And, and non-spiritual people can't figure out what motivates you. It's like, where are you coming from? I mean, why? You know, and so Jesus, look, you must be born, you must be. You must be born again. You have to be born again. You have to have those... Holy Spirit inside of you. You must be born again. See, a dog acts like a dog. 
not because, uh, well, let me put, say it this way. You could have a dog that's like a child and you can dress it up and sit it at the dinner table and, and train it to be the perfect child, but it's a dog. And it will never not be a dog. It acts like a dog because it is a dog, right? Duh. We act like sinners because we are sinners. I sin because I am a sinner already. I don't become a sinner because I sin. I act out of my nature, and my nature is to sin. When left to myself without having this happen to me, I sin. I struggle. I, and if I'm raised in a, just a great place with lots of laws and love and everything, I don't sin as much, maybe. But, I, but that's my nature. And so God is saying, look, you cannot, from that nature that you were born into, Catholics call it original sin, you cannot, from that nature, become godly. You can become a nice guy, you can work at it, but, but your nature is to sin. You must be born again. So here, the very first thing, people could not be born again until Christ died on the cross, paid for their sins, defeated Satan. They couldn't be born again until any of that happened. The very first time Jesus encounters the disciples, the first time after he rises from the dead, look what he does. You go, huh, I never saw that before. The first thing he does, and that word there, breathed into, is, a, is, is not just breathed on. It is to breathe in the nostrils of. Right? Ruach. He, he breathes pneuma into them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. They were born again right then. Okay? They, were, they received the Spirit of God inside of them, and they were born again. And Jesus wasted no time doing it. He walks in, he goes, come here. <sighs> Receive the Holy Spirit. I was on an airplane flying to Uganda. Gosh, stop it. Um, I, was going, I was on an airplane flying to Uganda, and the guy sitting next to me, and we get talking, he's, he's an African-American guy from not Uganda, but Rwanda, I think. And we get talking about God. And, and a friend of mine is sitting across the aisle, and he's pretending to sleep. He looks at me and winks, and he's, he's like, I know he's praying. So I share the Lord with this kid, and I say, do you want that? And he goes, yes. So we pray right there on the airplane, and he opens his eyes, and he goes, wow. And I said, what? And he goes, wow. See, we forget the wow. You know, if we, were, if we were baptized as a three-year-old, you know, or like my wife says, I was baptized prenatally, you know, um, we kind of forget the wow, but there's a wow when we're born again. When I, I was born again in my 20s, there was a wow. I mean, it was just like, what is it? You know, all, things just all seem different to me. It's just, it, it's just like, wow, okay. Not, not over, you know, but just what is this? And there became a hunger in me, okay? So Jesus does that. He gets them born again. Yeah? I don't get where, in John 20, where they, they became saved. He breathes the Spirit into them. I know. He breathes the Spirit into them. But well, what does it take I, to be I, saved? I, I don't necessarily 
consider they're not safe if they didn't. That, um, well, anyway, never mind. Well, uh, so what does it mean to be saved? To be saved means that you are born of the Spirit. Unless you're born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? Your spirit is born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. You're a new creation. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. To be saved doesn't mean I believe the right things. It means I become the right thing. I become a new creation. I'll show you some more scripture in a minute. See, this is a crazy thought for us. Okay? This is... Anyway, so, so to become born again means I declare Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and he breathes into me, and I'm born of the Spirit. My spirit comes alive. Yeah. I remember, I think I was in college the first time that I had someone open my eyes to something similar to this, and I think in the tradition that we're raised in, so much of like the mental part, the right. academic part, the understanding is so important. Um, and here are 12 men, or 11 this time, who had walked with Jesus all this time. No one could have been a better teacher. No one could have shown them more. Yeah. Were, no, but it wasn't until the Spirit was breathed into their life that they would then were equipped to live the life. And there's no amount of study that we can do, and there's no amount of understanding that we can yeah. get to that is going to earn us anything or make us more righteous because we've got it right. Yeah, this is it's offensive the, teaching. Yeah, I mean, when you go back and you read scripture from this vantage point, you go, well, of course. Why did Jesus say you must be born again? Unless you're born of the Spirit, you cannot inherit the kingdom. So what does born of the Spirit mean? Yeah. Um, this is a very interesting topic to me because I think it helps for me to understand my salvation better, to understand the salvation pre-Christ. Can you speak a little bit to that, like how... I mean, I know it was sacrificing this, but how did the followers of God achieve uh, righteousness? Right. <coughs> and and so like, if you look at... Um, one more thing. I think yeah. I, I may be wrong, but I think the Old Testament speaks to like prophets, some prophets being full of the Spirit, or at least yes. moved around mm -hmm. by the Spirit. What's the difference? Yeah, so the Spirit came on people for specific activities, it still happens today. Spirit came on them for a purpose. So when they died, you, there was Abraham's bosom and there was Hades, remember the rich man and Lazarus, okay? So, so there are places where, where people who, not have, who were kind of in holding until Christ died. And it says the first thing Christ dies is he descends into hell and preaches the gospel to those who are in prison, right? If you read about it, the first thing he does, he dies, he goes into Hades, and he leads captivity captive. He says, all of you in Abraham's bosom who did your best to follow me, despite your nature, come on. Preaches, they're all born again, and he leads a parade into heaven. Okay? So there was a holding place. It wasn't a place of punishment. It was called Abraham's bosom. We, you know, we don't know all those details. There's a whole thing there, but... And, and so the Holy Spirit came on people in the Old Testament for the purposes of declaring the specific works of God or doing the works of God. Prophets, kings, 
uh, people who designed the temple. It says the Spirit came on. The first time in Scripture it says the Holy Spirit came on people, it was to be good architects. I think, yeah. You know, I mean, so, okay. But that was a, that was a temporary thing. It came on. Then it went off. It came on for purposes, went off. So when the Spirit came on them, they're like, wow, I, I, I see every, wow, you know, and they're, I, I, have, I have plans in my head for the temple. Let me write them down. You know why? Because God is, is on them giving them all that stuff, okay? But this is, so let's see what happens when I'm born again. The first thing that happens is God is back on the scene. The second thing that happens is your spirit is fully restored. The third thing that happens is the Holy Spirit, God himself in the Trinity, takes up dwelling within you. That's the primary difference between Christians and everybody else. Your spirit is, is blown up again, and God himself indwells your spirit. You read all through John, you go, wow, it's crowded in there. You know, I mean, it's like the Holy Spirit is inside of me. God is inside of me. The Father's inside of me. I, we're one. You know, so all of a sudden you go, I have God inside of me now. I'm, I'm his kind. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. I'm, I'm, I'm new. Okay? Let's keep going. This uh, flesh man, it says, is, is uh, still there. Remember Romans 6? Sin isn't going anywhere, so you had to go somewhere. Sin didn't die, so you died. And so you died and you were raised up, and now you still have the opportunity to be under the sway of the flesh, but no longer the obligation. You now have complete leverage on the left-hand side of that picture to walk in the Spirit, to obey God. You're empowered to obey. You're empowered to put to death the deeds of the flesh. You now have the opportunity to walk free from all of that. You didn't really have the opportunity. You could train yourself but there is no actual freedom. There is just training to act free, to feel more free. Okay? Born again is, is radical. You are literally a different creation. You don't just believe better things. You don't, you're not just taught to behave better. You are a new creation. There's a different motivation inside of you. There's the spirit that comes inside of you. So Paul says, look, I can't talk to you as spiritual men because even though you're born again, you're not taking advantage of, of any of this. All of this opportunity here. So let's, let's keep going. Is it possible for a person to be baptized, baptized, not be baptized like this? Don't know. I can't judge. Because it sounds like there's two separate things. I mean, John baptized people for repentance, came, yeah. And then to get them ready for Jesus. And then now it sounds like, if I understand you correctly, that water baptism is like a, an additional step because this is like the real baptism. Yeah, so I don't really want to go there. But what I want to say is anyone who has asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior is filled. Anyone. Romans 8, it says, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not, you're not His. Okay? If you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, this is what's happened to you. If you're on your way to the baptismal and get killed in a car wreck, this is still what happened to you. Okay? I went down front at a Billy Graham crusade, prayed this little prayer, meant it, 
And it was like, wow. I mean, I went home and all of a sudden they gave me a Bible. I still have it to this day. And it's scribbled top to bottom, left to right. Every page is covered stuff. Because it's like, I just couldn't get enough. I was not that way before. I couldn't get enough sin before. I couldn't get enough lust. I couldn't get enough whatever. Okay? That was me before. That was me after. It's like, that's what happened. So if you go and read scripture and just think about this, you'll find a hundred verses where you go, oh, that explains that. I mean, read through the book of Romans, you go, oh. Okay, what time is it? I know we, 10.39, okay. So when I'm born again, this is what happens. <clears throat> so here's Paul, and he says, if any man is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the oldest passed away, new things have come, a new creation, new creation. Um, here it is in Romans, if we've been buried with him through baptism, just as Christ was raised through the glory of God, we too walk in newness of life. There is now no condemnation for those on Christ, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Okay? So you're new, you're new creation. It's, you go, whoa, okay. So what's your problem then? Big guy, what's your, what's your problem? So here's, here's your problem right there. Um, the Romans 7 problem. So this is, this is a lot of reading, but uh, what I want you to look at is the different coloring I put in the letters. This is the most amazing piece of literature I've ever read. Because in this literature, Paul shows the discovery of your dual nature inside of you. And by the end of this, he says, that's not me. At the beginning, he's saying, look, I'm practicing the thing I don't want to do. I'm doing the thing I hate. But if I do the thing I don't want to do, then I agree with the law, confessing it's good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it. But sin, that sin nature, that ugly looking guy that dwells in me, does it. Now, you got to get this, because this sounds like heresy. This sounds like you're excusing yourself. God is excusing you. Look at, he says, but if I do the very thing I don't want to do, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin, that sin nature dwells in me. I find this principle, evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. I, for I, the one who wants to do good, joyfully concur with the love of God in my inner man, in my spirit, but I, the one who wants to do good, see different law in the members of my body. They wage war against, okay, the law of my mind is my soul. My soul is looking left and right, going, well, what, well, what, well, what? And there's a war goes on in my head, right? Making me a prisoner to the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I, the one who wants to do good is, who will set me, the one who wants to do good, free from this struggle? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that on the one hand, I myself with my mind, so now what? I've taken my soul and I've turned it to the Spirit. I with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. So, so here's, the, here's the situation that we're in right now. We've got, to, we've got this guy, he's sitting right there. And the flesh is still around, so that's problem one. There still is this drive, but I have the opportunity to say no. I no longer have the obligation. It's not me. Paul goes all the way through Romans 7 saying, me, not me. Me, not me. 
Me wants to be good, not me doesn't. Me, not me, me, not me. And he, he makes this point like 50 times so you can get it. There's something in you that wants to be evil and it's not you. That's why Romans 8 can start with, there's therefore now no condemnation. Okay? The fact that you sin but feel bad is evidence you're a child of God. Absolute evidence that you're a child of God. And that sin was paid for at the cross. He knows we're being victimized. And he's there to help us, not to condemn us. There's no, we condemn ourselves, but there's no condemnation. Satan demons are still around. And my soul can be in charge, and my soul is not very effective at being in charge. Right? Making a prison, it said before, making my, the law of my mind in my soul a prisoner. So my mind's going, well, I, well I, you know, it's the angel on the left, the devil on the left. Okay, it's that, that thing going on. And so those are the issues that we deal with. And so here's now Romans 8. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are, are according to the spirit, that is, I'm walking in the spirit, the spirit side of me, I'm walking in that, set their minds on the things of the spirit. The mindset on the flesh is what? Death. Not wrong. It's death. It's hostile toward God. It does not subject itself. It can't subject itself to the law of God. It can't do it. It's, it's, it's not possible to walk in the flesh and, and subject yourself to God. There, there's this, this constant dissonance inside of you. Okay? But look at the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if God dwells in you. In other words, he's saying, look, positionally, you're filled with the spirit. God dwells in you. That's how I see you. You can act out over here. You can act out the way you, you can give in to the, the, the internet porn. You can give in to jealousy of another woman. You can get into self-pity. You, you can do that, but you no longer have to do that. Freedom says, I opened the jail door. Experiential freedom says, I walked out of that open door. We now have the opportunity to walk out of that open door. Okay. So then, brethren, we're under obligation not to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you must die. Now watch this. But if by the Spirit, by that side of us where the Holy Spirit dwells, if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of God, you will live life, death. Not right, wrong, life, death. You will live. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This is not optional. He is saying, I have given you one way out, and that is to live according to the Spirit, to walk according to the Spirit, to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. That's, that's my only plan. I have plan A. Plan A was, I separated you from that fallen nature. I killed you and I resurrected you. When you die, all that will be gone. But until then, learn to walk in the Spirit. Learn to put to death the things that drive you in the Spirit, by the Spirit, under the influence of the Spirit. The only thing that makes us fundamentally different from the world is we have the Spirit of God inside of us and a born-again spirit. That's it. Nothing else, not our culture, not our tradition, not nothing else. 
The only thing that makes a human different than a dog is it's a human, you know? It's got a human spirit, it, you know? Makes us different, okay? We're a different creation. And Satan is desperate for us not to know. If he, if he can just keep you living in your mind and just trying to be good, he, he's okay with that. The church can't be very effective when we're just in our mind trying to be good instead of by the power of the Spirit. Okay? I mean, go, don't, let, don't let me just talk into it. I mean, go back and, and look at this again and again. It's radical. Um, so where are we headed? This is where God wants us to be headed. Led by the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of the gifts, all of the holiness of the Holy Spirit is in us and on us. And that Spirit leads us. When I'm in a conversation with someone, I'm listening for the voice of God to help, to lead me, to guide me. When I face a decision, I go, Papa, okay. See, I have a best friend. I have, I have the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You think God won't lead you if you want him to? Of course he will. It's, it's his greatest joy to partner with us, to lead us, to, to be our best friend, an ever-present help in time of need. He, he's desperate for it, like a mother is desperate for their child to succeed, to be happy, to be filled, to be... That's the Holy Spirit is like that mother. Nurture, guide. You know, if you go back in John and read everything the Holy Spirit does, Jesus says, look, if you believe in me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. Okay? But if we weren't raised in that, then it feels foreign to us. It, it feels like, well, you're tearing down my whole tradition. No, I'm trying to perfect that tradition. Look, I was raised a Catholic. You think, <laughs> I don't have a lot of tradition. I do. Okay. And so a lot of our behaviors may not change, but the source of our energy, the source out of where we do things starts to change. We find a way to enter into rest. The answer to Josh's thing that he talked about this morning is not, those three steps are great, but those aren't the answer. The answer is, to walk in the Spirit and do the things God asks you to do, and you'll never be frantic. That's the answer. You can practice those disciplines, but they, they won't get to the ultimate issue, which is if you're not led by the Spirit, you'll always be frantic if you're a type 2. There's no, there's no other opportunity. Um, and afterward, after we leave this world, the glorified Christian Right? So, yes. Um, so, so what happens is we get new bodies. The flesh and the old body fall off of us. And there, there's no more temptation. There's no more fallen nature. There, you're you're going to go, wow. I, there's nothing in me that wants to do evil. Oh, my gosh. The presence of sin will be gone. It says when we see him, we'll be like him, which means you can go invisible, invisible. You can go instantly anywhere. You can eat food and enjoy food, but you don't have to. You can fish and catch fish. Okay, remember he, was, he had caught fish somehow and was having a fish dinner. Um, that's the body that we're going to maybe do eternity in. That body can go to other galaxies. See, if every Christian who's really cool is going to get 10 cities, we're going to run out of cities after the first 67 Christians. 
But if we have an infinite galaxy, and you are to be God's representative to 100,000 planets that he's going to create beings on, won't that be cool? Right? Eye hasn't seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what he has for us. And right here, right now, the most important thing we can do is learn to walk in that spirit, is learn to be spiritual people, is learn not, not holy people, but just led by God, connected to God, understanding God. Not weird. He didn't, he didn't cause us to be filled with spirit so it would be weird. Woo-woo. He caused us so that we would be the most attractive people on the face of the earth. Right? Any last questions? That was a lot. I mean, that, you got like the full load here. You got like a deuce and a half full of stuff. Jeannie's teaching next week. I'm fleeing the country. Um, um, so we're going we're gonna, to, over the next weeks, um, we're going to say, okay, how do I begin to discern my spirit? How, how do I discern that voice? How, what are some ways I can learn to connect with God? We'll have some testimonies and some things other people have gone, yeah, it's pretty different. Okay? It's not hard. If it was hard, we couldn't do it. If we needed a doctorate, we couldn't do it. He, he has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. Why? Because they don't have all kinds of other options. So their only option is God, and they learn this. Sometimes I think we should exchange money for this with poor people. It's like, look, you just show me how you walk in faith, and I'll pay you to do that. <laughs> Sometimes I think that will be a good deal for us. Any other questions? All right. Tell Joss I'm teaching heresy. Thank you, Lord. I ask that what you said would go deep into people's hearts. Amen. I think I'll have a handout next week that summarizes all of this. I think, yeah, I certainly can do that. Yeah, I absolutely, yes, thank you. I, I will remember to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, you wouldn't be the first. I had a preacher pop that up on his screen with me in the audience one time just to get me, so.